Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Where is the horse and jockey now? Who removed its long oar and laid it on the riverbed? Where to the lamb and flag? What grave could hold its painted crests? And did they drag the raven's born arms into the underworld as the final footstep echoed on the street? Oh, pubs we've lost, remember me, my elbow on the bar, your glimmer in the glass, here in the moon underwater. It's sheeting. It's sheeting on the slates and pitter-pattering hither and thither down the uh, the guttering and the pipes. Yeah. Uh, what, ra- raining? Yes, yes, it's raining. raining. Yeah. Yeah, it's raining quite a lot outside. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but the rain in the, in the correct realm is something else, isn't it? How would you describe it? In the correct realm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's going upwards. Yeah. And it's going, coming back down in a mm. continuous loop. Yeah, it is. It sort of like recycles itself. Yeah, which is what rain does anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank so you. it's just sort of part of the, uh, what do they call it? The precip- precipitation. 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 Mm. Mm. They call it precipitation, don't they? Yes. Uh, but did you manage to uh, keep your under, under, under crotch dry? Because it does get you right, right in the... Right, um, the under crotch, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it But then, then when it comes back down, it's very drying. Yeah, yeah. like a sort of Dyson. Yeah. Um, but a sort of more mythical... Uh, Dyson. Yeah. Anyway, I I can I think I can hear a break in the rain, mm, yes. uh, and a break in that precipitation Dyson Airblade sort of cycle that we discussed. Yeah, um, which is the correct realm's way of welcoming in a new a new member to the realm, mm. a new visitor to the realm, and there's sort of if you look out of the door, can you see that sort of um, like a force field. Yes. And the, the rain just sort of uh, glides away. Like a big bubble. Like a big bubble. And inside that big bubble slash force field uh, walks in Kiri Pritchard McLean. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Kiri. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the correct realm, Kiri. How are you doing? How do we find you? 
Yeah, I'm I'm really good actually. Yeah, I'm I'm all right. Well, I know I'm this is quite early for me mm. in in real terms. I'm quite tired. But I already feel very relaxed in your presence. Well, there's a very there's, the moon underwater has a very relaxed approach to time itself. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of I wouldn't be able to put my finger on what time it is here, Rob. Would you? Not really. No. You know they say a broken clock's right twice a day. Mm. Um, that's it. Sorry. They do say <laughs> they that, do, don't they? Yeah. But the clock here is right. Is never right. It's never right, and it is broken. But it's, <laughs> it's also sort of not really ever wrong. No. Uh, so Kiri. In the other realm, uh, am I right? I think you live in Anglesey. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do live on that island. I, yeah. I drove through Anglesey on um, a solo holiday I went on. It's quite breathtaking scenery there. But I wanted to ask the English pub has quite a defined uh, sort of character, the Irish pub has a very defined character. I would say, this is maybe because I've spent a lot of time in Scotland, the Scottish pub is sort of a thing in my head. What's the Welsh pub? What are the sort of, what are the key tenets of the mm. Welsh pub? Very interesting question. So, what I, yes, I'm from the island of Anglesey. I went to high school on the mainland in Bangor is the nearest city to us. Mm. And a city in, in name only and not in amenities. But I was actually, I was trying to Google this to verify. The, the oft-repeated legend of Bangor is that so it's second only to Las Vegas in terms of pubs or like drinking establishments per like square meter. Is it really? A pa- well, wow. it's often repeated, but mm. I could I gave it a Google Google and I, I couldn't <laughs> find uh, you know a a reputable source. But, but we have a very long high street that snakes through the city, and there are pubs. Nearly every other door is a pub, so. It's interesting as well because where I'm from, that that area, Gwynedd, the county it's in, is the highest proportion of Welsh speakers. So you do get distinct Welsh Welsh language pubs. Mm. Oh, interesting. There's one in particular in Upper Bangor because it's sort of split into Lower and Upper Bangor. So Upper Bangor is where the students live. There's a Welsh speaking pub, and then the other pubs are very studenty because the student the, the university is in Upper Bangor really. And then in the main bit of Bangor, that's where you get sort of the locals. So again, it divides once more. So yeah, the Welsh pub should be in the down bit, I think. So we're talking now about subsets of Welsh pub. Mm -hmm. The Welsh language pub, Mm -hmm. the Welsh student pub, Mm -hmm. the Welsh local pub. Is there a sort of tension between them? Because the sort of the, like Welsh student, especially like in music terms and the indie scene is is quite a thriving thing mm. is there is there so if you had a welsh speaking student what pubs would they go to fascinating well probably do you know what i had never been to the welsh pub in upper bango it's called a globe which is just welsh for the globe i'd never ever been to it until about six months ago and i started playing for my local rugby team um and they're all first language welsh and we went on a night out with a minibus um absolutely wild yes it, wild um and we went out i'd never been out in carnarvon which is the hotbed of welsh nationalism in in north wales right and uh, so we went there first picked up a strange man who had never been to bangor before even though he lives about a 15 minute drive and he was 24 right. um so we picked up him for some reason just acquired him in fact it's because they were getting money out of him to pay for the minibus mm. and then we went to a glob because they that was the pub that they would all go to and actually it was a huge i loved it because it was 
it was what a pub should be. There was like, you know, 16 year olds with fake IDs there, mm. but also 60 year olds who go there all the time and sort of prop up the bar. So it was rammed and it was much broader. And there were students there because in Bangor, there are specific um, uh, student halls for Welsh speakers. Mm. So if you want to just keep, you know, being immersed in your culture, they will, they will opt for the Welsh language ones. So I think you would probably still go to the Welsh language pub because yeah. um, I can't think of a student-y one. But there's, it's the closest pub to that. There's, there's two, there's sort of on a trike. There's so many pubs in Bangor. So the Bellevue is a real studenty pub and there's two big bay windows. And when you drive, it was so sweet. We were driving up to it and you could see the rugby on a big screen on the left-hand side through the bay window and on the right-hand side, RuPaul's Drag Race, the final. <laughs> and it was just like a lovely... Sort of, and they and they always saw... Um, whenever they put on the rugby, they give her on like free sausage butties in the break and stuff oh, like lovely. that. So it's very nice. Like They really cater for the students in a very kind of caring way. I don't think I've answered your question, but I just sort of... But with the Welsh language it. pubs, what if I went in and said, I'm, I'm actually half Welsh uh, like that, mm. well, how, what would the reaction be? I think they would just be like, actually, you, that you'd think there would be this mad tension of mm. like, oh, I see. I think they would just be like, well done, and like <laughs> it, they would actually sort of. I think anyone who enjoys their Welsh heritage, yeah, they would largely celebrate that. Oh, that's good. So it's a more sort of like it's a positive. It's always looking for the positive in 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 sort of celebrating and continuing Welsh culture as opposed to sort of being negative about stuff that's sort of not perfectly well not parochial yes. then. don't no. get me wrong that does exist mm. but from my so i'm i'm probably the only person on my rugby team who isn't first language welsh and i'm a welsh learner but i they all switch to english for me even though i can understand what's going on mm. it's them being very polite so i think the the younger generation definitely who were very secure in themselves and their identity and the fact that the welsh identity has a future you know, this whole thing about, oh, you walk into a pub and everyone starts speaking Welsh. Mm. That is, um, I think that's sort of perpetuated by sort of uh, English boomers. Mm. And actually it isn't a situation that exists anymore. So I think you would you would largely be well, yeah. would welcome. Because I guess, because the, as you say, the Welsh language, its future has sort of been secured. I guess people have moved to a point of celebration, mm. like and really enjoying it. Yeah. Fantastic. And what's Anglesey like for pubs? Oof. Um, well, Describe what Anglesey is for, for people who don't know. Okay, so it's the biggest island off the coast of the UK. Um, it's about 26 miles across. The population is about 70,000. That uh, during the summer holidays rises to about 210,000. Um, it is a very popular holiday destination. It's um, Its motto is uh, Morn Mam Cymru, which is Morn, which is what is sort of Welsh name, um, meaning um, the mother of Wales. Um, Mm. So it's it's seen as a very holy, important place. It was um, where the Druids had their base, Mm. because that's, you know, the the Welsh Druids is a big part of Welsh history. Um, And it is breathtaking. It's absolutely beautiful. So nearly wherever you are, you can see the Snowdonia Mountain Range. You can see the Isle of Man on a mediumly clear day you can see Ireland on a mediumly clear day it's a really fantastic place and it's been very holy and very important to lots of people over the years um and it's named um Morn comes from Mona which is what the Romans called it and it's amazing and I love living there and I love being a part of it I would say my partner and I talk about this all the time a, pu- a great pub is what we are the only thing we're missing where we live really yeah because island communities often have very good pubs 
because it's that kind of community coming together kind of thing. Yeah, but what we also don't have is infrastructure. Right. So um, we live in a little village and I think the nearest pub would be maybe to make it quick you'd cut off a cut across a nature reserve by us and you could probably walk to it in about 40 minutes oh no yeah <laughs> no sorry <laughs> so it's so and what's 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 lacking in the pubs when you get there or is it more the position and the the amount there is no when i lived in manchester there was an app there was so many brilliant pubs there was the, my perfect pub is pretty much in manchester it's called the marble arch and it's on um, rochdale road and it's got a microbrewery downstairs. It's got really nice food, but it's also like not got, it hasn't disappeared of its hoop at all. And it's really busy on match days and like stogs, you know, all that kind of stuff that I just want. And it's absolutely beautiful as well. It's got all the original tiles and stuff on oh, the walls. Amazing. And it's, um. so I love stuff like that. I love like a proper pub that caters to everybody. Mm. We do not have anything like that where I'm from. The food is always really bad. Right. Um, really bad they just don't make any effort because they know it'll sell anyway because it's a tourist hotspot right um the there's lots of sort of like chains but they don't even try and hide it you don't really get indie pubs they're all sort of like you know green king freeholds or whatever um yeah it's just not what i'm looking for in a pub and every time they have a refurb it's always crashingly tasteless so (laughs) (laughs) they'll have like a really nice building and they'll sort of like go They'll paint it all grey because someone in the establishment likes Mrs. Hinch. Right, and they'll be like yeah. rose gold accents in a 400-year-old building. Well, I'm, so, just, uh, yeah. I'm just looking up the marble arch in my mind. It looks absolutely fantastic. It is stunning. It was in um, It's a Sin. It was used as a, oh, yeah. as a location. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. see them now. Yeah. Sat there. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, I really recommend oh, wow. going. Yeah. And in fact, it's really close to the middle of town as well, but just just enough out of it. You don't really get balance in there. It's, <laughs> it's really good. Okay, well, let's start to kit out your dream pub. Is it going to be quite similar to the Marble Arch in its in its vibe? I want, I mean, I want an open fire. Like, you know, yeah. I want it to be cosy. I want it to be old. I want it to have uneven floors. I want it to have a ghost. Do you want the cast of It's a Sin to be there? <laughs> Because it is an extraordinary piece of drama. It depends which episode, because some of it might be a write downer. <laughs> <laughs> very, very. But no, I mean the cast. <laughs> the cast off duty would be absolutely mm. welcome, especially Callum Howells, who's mm. Welsh, and I'm dying to meet. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. La. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, uh, two draft options, please, uh, Kiri, for your pub. Okie doke. So I used to work, I've worked in loads of pubs, and I used to work in a really brilliant one in Salford um, called the King's Arms. And um, the King's Arms is a theatre upstairs as well. Beautiful. Love a theatre pub. Theatre pub, so good. I cannot think of a, th- a p- bad theatre pub. The Waverley in mm. Edinburgh. Yeah, Alma Tavern in Bristol is a good one. Um, the... Uh, What's the one that I went to the other week in Angel? Hen and Chickens is a... Hen and Chickens is another yeah. great one. There's one in Angel called the Old Red Lion or something like that, which is great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 White Bear yep. in Bristol. Yes, that's a great one. Yeah, I, I loved it. And I just kept asking, give me a job, give me a job, give me a job when I was in uni there because I just knew there was stuff going on. And they had their own theatre company that operated from upstairs and they'd put on sort of like very... Like great local work, you know, and uh, and then we started my sketch group started running like nights there and stuff like that. They have a a, a a beautiful sort of like how do I describe it? Sort of like domed ceiling, which is where the theatre is. So mm. it's stunning, all this exposed wood, and uh, and that holds about fifty, sixty, something like that. And then they have another little room, which was a storeroom. They put turned into a venue that maybe holds fifteen. So that is brilliant when you're starting out and doing new material nights that no one is turning up to because you go four people. We've got an audience. The yeah. gig goes ahead. And actually, that is sort of how you get good at comedy is playing those awful unplayable rooms. So I love the King's Arms. And when I worked at the King's Arms, um, I used to do two days a week cash in hand. And um, it was to supplement my... I had a full-time job, but it was um, at the Frog and Bucket Comedy Club. It was so badly paid. I had to <laughs> supplement my income with two nights a week at the pub and the rest was doing comedy. And uh, <laughs> you would get a pint at the end of your shift, which I loved. Mm-hmm. And they would have this local cider called Strawberry Fields. Ooh. And it was like bright red rocket fuel (laughs) and and it would never sell very quickly which means the percentage would rocket up because it would just be keeping fermenting in the barrel (laughs) and so i know the the last pint which is largely just like sediment and ethanol (laughs) i remember yeah that would be really exciting because you could have that one one pint and be absolutely smashed especially after a shift when you're you know the only thing you've had to eat is like a packet of dry roasted peanuts Mm. but i absolutely loved this um strawberry fields because it's got a nice little um beetles reference Mm. in there yeah. Now, what do, do we know where it is? There's a few different strawberry field ciders. Well, they were always local breweries. So they were from the Pennines area. You know, there was never anything from outside of, of the north. But it did feel super, like, off the books. It didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was coming through a reputable chain. Was it one of those ones you pick up, you know, in a big tankard from a farm at the side of the road? It feels like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's... There's Rattler do one, 
Really? Yeah. Do you know what? It was, I mean, this is like 10 years ago. My fear is that that company's gone under because obviously no one's buying it. I think you don't have to find it on Google in your mind. It can still exist in one's imagination. Yeah, I think you're right, actually, that the Strawberry Fields... I mean, that's in a way, that's what Strawberry Fields, the song's about. Yes. Yeah. It's about a cider that you can't Google. <laughs> Living is easy with eyes closed. Yeah, so close your eyes. Don't try and Google the cider in yeah. your mind. Yeah. Just let it be. If you, That's a different song. Yeah. But maybe those songs are both about trying to find the specific cidery. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, I mean... It's one's me- a prequel. Yeah. Yeah, then- you're the Beatles expert. Do they have any songs about cider? I can't. Think of funny off the top of my head. They go for it and cry, baby, cry. They go and have a drink in the local Burden B. Could have been a cider. Could have been a cider. We just don't know. No, yeah. This is one of the great unanswered questions. Well, Apple, 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 Apple Core. Yeah. yeah, Apple Core. Apple Scruffs. Apple Scruffs. There we go. So, uh, first up, we've got Strawberry Field Cider, but ideally, end of the barrel after it's been there for sort of a couple of weeks and got a bit strong. I'm not end of the barrel because that is like. Yeah. You know, when you drink something and it really grabs you by the throat. So like the sort of peri-penultimate <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> There's a photograph of me, actually. I must have been about 23, 24. And I'm driving, I used to drive a, a Citroen 2CV. My mum had always had two CVs. Yeah, so I had three of them um, and I loved them so much. And uh, I'm driving home from a shift at the King's Arms and that, and I've got a, a pint of, in my hand. Oh, God. But it's because I, I didn't want to drink it and I wanted yeah. to have it when I got home. And I was like, I was like, can I take the, I'll just wash the pint glass and bring it back. And they were like, yeah, do whatever you want. But there was no, there's no cup holder in a 2CV. Well, also the, the, the gear sticks in front of you. Exactly. Well, that actually might make it a bit easier. It's a, it, well, it's this, I famously, when everyone moaned about the gear stick, it's spring loaded. It pops itself into mm, gig, mm, John, you mm. all know that. So yeah, um, there's a picture of me with this um, strawberry strawberry field cider driving a TCB home through Salford at about one o'clock in the morning. I think we should just point out that having an open uh, alcoholic uh, container whilst driving is, is also illegal, even if you're not drinking it. Uh, what's your next draft <laughs> option? Okay, I, I know that this might be controversial, but I'm a... So I couldn't drink until I was in my 20s because I'm allergic to alcohol. So um... Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. You start with that. You, you headline with that. Yeah, you buried the lead, I think. Uh, talk us through that. So I have... Um, whenever I explain to people, they go, oh, you're having a hot flush. And it's like, no, it's not that. So I, my parents have been the kind of parents that they... When they were having a bit of alcohol, which is very rare, they're not really drinkers. My dad used to drink competitively and now doesn't drink at all. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, let's start this all again. It's wild and angry. Your dad's a competitive drinker. He was. He used to, yeah, he used to do it for money. What? How and what, how do I get into that scene? <laughs> well, I mean, I think you have to be around in rural Wales in like the sort of the 70s. Sort of side bets. No, no, as in there would be a competition in the pub to drink each other under the table. Jesus, like an Indiana Jones. Like an eating competition in America. Oh, right, yeah. So, you you know, last man standing. And as a result, my dad, who I've never, ever seen my dad drunk, never, um, in all the time I've known him. Um, and it, my dad's got one of those, you know, like hard, high, round bellies mm. that you can only get from like... 
beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer. Yeah. So he's got he's got one of those. And I'm just is... just out of interest. Is it possible to kind of get rid of one of those? Or... <laughs> he's it... not the person to ask. Okay. Let me tell you. <laughs> sure. Thanks. So yeah, he used to drink. He'd do various things. My parents were very very short of money for a long long time, and so that was one of the things he would do. He'd play in bands. And he'd work, yeah, he'd cross picket lines and he would, um, he would, yeah, he'd drink competitively. Those are things wow. he would do for like a bit of extra, you know, cash on the side. So let's, let's now tackle the next item in the agenda, alcohol allergy. Yes. Are you talking about the conditions? I, we had a friend at uni who had this. It's quite common in Southeast Asian people where they're, they just sort of process alcohol differently and it can cause like immediate, like red red face yes it's very similar to that it must be the same whatever lack of enzyme or something that is leading to it so what happens if i have alcohol because i used to have a little bit when my parents are having you know like so my parents are scum so like lambrusco at christmas kind mm. of thing um Don't mind it at all. <laughs> love that stuff um and uh yeah so I used to have a little bit and it was always absolutely fine. And then I remember the exact occasion it was, I was having what I call barbecue beers. You know, the little stubbies. Oh, yeah. Little stubbies, beer deluxe, beer de or beer des moulins. <laughs> French, French camping beers. Yes. French camping beers. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you never can buy them in less than like 24. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was having one of those at a barbecue um, and I must have been 11. And I had this really intense, immediate allergic reaction where... It looks like my face is sort of a map of the world. I get these weird patches and they are bright red and burn like sunburn. So it looks like I've got, like I've not put suntan lotion on properly. And uh, my mum said, oh, it's just cheap booze, obviously, that does it. So the idea was that it it was only cheap booze. Um, But I think that was just something she came up with. Or whatever they put in cheap booze, they now put in everything, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is probably more likely. And so my... Allergies you normally grow out of, and I grew into mine. Mine's got worse and worse and worse. Oh, no. Yeah, and so I only had, if I had like a, a a glass of wine, I would need maybe to have just half a centimetre and I'd have immediate oh, reaction. Especially if I haven't eaten, if yeah. it goes straight into my system. And I'll have a reaction within sort of five or ten minutes max. So has that really restricted your alcohol intake over the years it did yeah i didn't drink at all until i've never been drunk until i was in my 20s and then i discovered a little thing called antihistamines Mm. Ah. non-drowsy because she wants to be up all night um and then so what used to happen is all my friends would um all my friends would get hammered yeah and i would be it's very um uninhibiting to be around uninhibited people and Mm. i've always been quite confident anyway so there'd be times where we wouldn't get into a nightclub because they would think that i was and I didn't do drugs. They would think that I was too drunk to come in. And I, I was like, I can't drink. This is just yeah. how I behave. So, yeah, I became sort of fine with myself and, and being around, you know, feeling myself without having a drink. And then I, at a time when I lost that and I felt very lost and not like myself, someone said, oh, have you ever tried an antihistamine? Because I went to the doctors and said, I'm allergic to alcohol. Can you help me? And, they went, and he went, no, of course not. I'm not going to help you. Like have something. Help that... me, booze. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to help you have something that will ruin your health. He just refused to. So I was like, okay. What um, a stick in the mud. I know. What a boring, boring nerd. Um, yeah. And then I, someone said, have you tried an antihistamine? And I did, and then fixed it. And it did come at a time where, you know, when I was in my 
late teens, early 20s where I didn't feel very confident. I'd lost a lot of my confidence and I felt very self-conscious. And actually just having that, you know, one or two drinks where you just go, okay, you don't need to overthink everything. You can be yourself. Yeah, know that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) But that was really helpful to me Mm. at that time. But it does mean my relationship with alcohol is probably, oh my God, I really made up for it in those years. I used to drink absinthe. I used to carry it around with me. But I, I, just such a wacky bastard in uni. I got this holy water bottle from Liverpool University Cathedral, the the cathedral rather, and uh, I'd fill it up with absinthe and then (laughs) I'd pour it in everyone's mouth as the night went on. But we would basically, I part my TCV, um, this is on Nights Out. You're like a walking Decemberist song. (laughs) (laughs) But like in in Bangor, we'd do all the pubs on the way down and then I would have parked my 2CV because we'd stay somewhere in Bangor and I'd have absinthe we'd all neck it and we'd go into the club and by the time we go into the club it'd sort of hit your system mm. no one needed to buy a drink for the whole night so yeah. that was the, but then you have to watch it when so you were, you'd split a few antihistamines and go wild just one actually yeah. does the job once you've taken the edge off yeah so what's your second draft choice Kiri? so my second draft choice is um, I, I think this counts as draft soda water from the gun yes it's the best kind I love a sparkling water. It's so hard to find a good one. And as someone who didn't always drink, soda water and lime, a delicious drink you can stay on all night, never get sick of, especially if they've got good lime. I don't want fresh lime. It's never very good, but I want fresh limes in it. Ah, uh, yeah. It, lime, when you ask for a lime and soda and they give you a pint of soda water with like one squished lime no. in, that's kind of gross. It is. And you can taste the wax of the Yeah, it's the, horrible. The pith. <laughs> and also there's such a large um, variant in quality of um, cordials, I think. Ah, now we get into it. So what's the dream lime cordial? Is it the sort of Victorian looking one? It is. It's exactly that. What's that called? I'll have to look that up in the old bonds. Because the sort of like the snide ones they get because they're cheaper are absolutely awful. I just don't, you know, this taste of synthetic fruit is... is yeah. D- difficult anyway. Are we talking roses? Isn't it Robinson's do lime cordial? Or I think Sh- roses Bar do, is Schweppes the... do, Britvic do. Britvic isn't bad actually. Yeah. But I know the one, yeah, the one you mean is the best one, but it's very, you rarely see it. Yes, you get these sort of uh, like uh, artisan ones as well, but I think I think roses would be uh, my choice because I don't think they do much else. Like, that's like their thing. Mm. Fancy a pint? Yeah. The moon underwater. So we've got strawberry field cider and soda from the gun, um, ideally with uh, decent lime cordial. What about cans and bottles? Bottles. Okay. Am I, can I just check? Am I allowed like a full bottle of something? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's an infinite supply. Well, I'm going to sound like a, such a tosser here, but I am aware of it. So I love a little pea sec, a little Prosecco, mm. um, because it's just really easy to drink. And I think champagne tastes disgusting. It gives me halitosis. It's like, it's too, mm. yeah. Um, so Prosecco is just really almost neutral taste. Now, typically, I don't like to pay any more than a fiver for it, because that's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, there's... um. The spa 
with an R on the end, near me, um, does a magnum of Prosecco that is vegan for £18, which is great. It's also really (laughs) delicious. Right. Um, But the one that I want is actually bougie. So I got given at Christmas a Fortnum Mason, uh, what they called, hamper. Mm. And in it was Fortnum Mason Prosecco. And I was like, oh, lovely, Prosecco. And I was thinking, there's not going to be much difference between the worst one and the best one. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) it is absolutely delicious and stunning. And you're like, oh, that's what Prosecco should taste like. And it is so great. And it's 15 quid a bottle, which I don't actually think is that bad for a a bottle of P-Sec. I think that's all right. Considering the the cheapest one normally is like, yeah, between five and seven, Mm. really. I actually think... Yeah, that's decent. I think that's okay, isn't it? Do you have to get that online then? Is that what you do? Yeah, yeah. I oh, think sorry, is there to... a Fortnum and Mason in Anglesey? No, there's no. not. There's not. <laughs> Weirdly, they only um, they did build a Waitrose when Kate and Wills came to live there. That's absolutely true. Really? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a Waitrose now in Menno Bridge because they lived there. Wow. I wonder. I'd like to ask a wine expert this: what the difference if the difference between a five pound bottle of Prosecco and a fifteen pound bottle of Prosecco is a greater increase in quality than a £20 bottle of champagne versus a £60 bottle of champagne. Because my suspicion would be that the the Prosecco, the 15 quid Prosecco, is the best sort of taste per pound value quotient. Interesting. Because I I hate, I also have that thing with champagne where it just feels like claggy Mm -hmm. and acidic. But then I had a very expensive champagne and it was like, Oh right, I just sh- I shouldn't be wasting time on a twenty five quid champagne. I should get like one nice champagne once a year because, like, I had this hundred pound bottle of champagne and it was just like, just like Frobscottle from the BFG. Oh, really? It just tasted incredible. That's so interesting. So I think like getting champagne is a false economy mm. unless you're getting a super nice one. So maybe the answer is the fifteen to twenty pound prosecco. Well, I, I've had all right. You know, when you do a job, quite often they'll give you a decent bottle of champagne and it's somewhere between like the 60 and 80 pound mark. And every time I'm like, this will be, I'll have a little try. In fact, I save them all up. And my, my partner's best mate comes and stays with us at Christmas and he likes champagne. So he has like 20 bottles of champagne that we've been given over the year and he just makes his way through those. S- Sarah Milliken was saying that she's, because she doesn't really, she doesn't drink, mm. but she does so many sort of charity gigs that she's basically got a wine cellar <laughs> from free wine. So when people come round, they can have, oh, that's the one from the uh, shelter benefit. <laughs> so we got uh, Fortnum and Mason Prosecco. Uh, what's next up? And the bottles. Okay. Okay. Mm. Again, I feel like this is such an idiot thing. And I know that this is basically Tory Coca-Cola, but Fentiman's, the Dandelion of Burdock. Mm. I love Dandelion of Burdock. I love anything botanical. I love anything sort of medicinal. Yeah. I really love that note in drinks. That's great. Weirdly, Dandelion and Burdock was one of those things, same as tinned peaches. I grew up thinking were Welsh because we'd only have them when we went to my grandma's in Wales. Oh, really? So I always associate Dandelion. Yeah, we'll have that. We'll claim that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Robin's grand lived in a big willy. Abergwilly. Oh, John's really doing good. a funny joke. <laughs> um, D- Dandelion and Burdock I had a lot as a child because my mum's friend Barbara always had it. So it was like a special treat I'd get when I went round to hers. Would you ever mix it with anything? No. Oh, actually, you have um, 
Don't you have it with like a cherry brandy to make something? Mm. I've got a really good... My friend is a, is a comedian and um, she's from New York called Kate McCabe. And she was also a trained mixologist. And she got me this brilliant... Whenever we go to her, she makes amazing cocktails. And she got me this book. Um, I think it's called like PDT or something. And it's absolutely brilliant book of cocktails. And Ooh, there's one in good there that has... recommendation. Yeah, that has dandelion and burdock. It's written by a guy um, called Jim Meehan. It's absolutely brilliant and exhaustive. And so, you know, that great thing where you're like, oh, I want to make some, I've got a craving for dandelion burdock. And there's something with cherry brandy in there. And then like almost like a smoky taste in there as well. Oh, I was going to say Jägermeister might go well with dandelion burdock. Mm. Or maybe it'd be too... It's too medicinal, right? Yeah. It's medicine on medicine. Oh, superb lineup mm. so far. I've got strawberry field cider. Soda from the gun, Prosecco, and Dandelion and Burdock. It's definitely one of the most eclectic mixes we've had so far. I like it. I like it. And, and something for the non-drinkers as well. Mm. Absolutely. Not a beer in sight. I think it might be off could be, I need to check this out, our first beer-free draft and cans and bottle section, but we just, we can't confirm or deny. <laughs> um, but we take a break now from uh, Kiri's Dream Pub to head over to Robin for the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz. <laughs> Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down, it's time for the quiz. He played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub quiz. Um, do you like James Bond? Uh... Sort of part of me does, the rest of me are probably a bit problematic. <laughs> Shit. But I, I like <laughs> trivia. Okay. Yeah. Well, how's your Bond knowledge? Well, I it's one of those things where, no, I think it's actually probably terrible. Okay. Absolutely terrible. Bo- bollocks. Uh, no, it'll be fine. It's a pub quiz about James Bond. I just well, it wouldn't to... be a quiz if we were experts on all the topics. <laughs> That's right. You're absolutely right. That would be a test. And I think you'll definitely get one because it's... Anyway, um, but yeah, I just read a very good book about James Bond by John Higgs. It's about James Bond and the Beatles called Love and Let Die. Oh. Very good. Should have called it Money Penny Lane. Anyway, James Bond quiz. Question one. Who played James Bond in the 1983 film Never Say Never Again? Okay. We'll do the answers in the second yeah. half. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who played James Bond in the 1983 film Never Say Never Again? Question two. What was the first Bond film to not use the title of an Ian Fleming novel or short story? So, you know, the first one, Doctor Knows a book, you know, Thunderbolt's mm. book. But what was the first film that didn't take its title from an Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming novel or short story? This is going to be so hard for me. <laughs> I'm just, I realise I'm just frowning at you. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. Um, question three. Stop getting Bond wrong, cries Alan Partridge in the Never Say Alan Again episode of I'm Alan Partridge before reenacting the introductory sequence of which Bond film? So which introductory sequence does Alan Partridge reenact? Are you Googling, Kiri? No, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm writing notes because Lovely. I can't remember. So those are the three questions. Uh, Never Say Never Again. The first Bond film, not to use the title of a Fleming thing, and the Partridge reenactment. 
Very, very good uh, Bond knowledge needed, folks, for this week's pub quiz. Uh, we now end part one. Uh, we'll be back to complete Kiri Pritchard McLean's dream pub. Uh, but f- before we go, m- you must check out Kiri on tour. Kiri, where you're touring? What's it called? And what's the vibe? Um, it's called Home Truths. I'm touring pretty much everywhere, doing all, yeah, going back up to Scotland. Um, dates in Wales, dates in Ireland, North and, uh, you don't say South, <laughs> Northern Ireland and the Republic. Um, is that right? Yeah, I really worry about that. Um, and then all over England as well with some big dates in um, places like London and Bristol and Brighton. Anglesey's uh, got to be a bit of a ball lake to commute from. Oh, awful. Mm. But that's the trade-off of like, do I live where I'm happiest and where I love? Or do I live somewhere I'm unhappy all the time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've gone for living mm. where I love. Have, yeah. you, have you sorted that one out, John? Or? Oh, never. <laughs> no. no, I'll never sort that out. I mean, I've I've managed to find a place that's good for my mental health, but also is close to the M4, the M42, <laughs> the M25 and the M1. Okay. That's what he calls his mental health. <laughs> All the different mentals, <laughs> and also not far from the M3. Oh, lovely! So yeah, so actually, yeah, it's good. It's good for both. Um, you can support this uh, hallowed tavern by going to moonunderpod.com uh, and clicking on the Patreon link, which gives you access to live tickets, uh, bonus podcast behind the cellar door, ad-free episodes, and extended episodes, and. The special guest choice, uh, which is in the second half. So tune in for that, and we'll see you very soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 